Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. Folks, welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Welcome to the podcast. Father John, Father Nathan, here we are. This is a pastoral gathering, therefore it is essential that we be together. It is. Cheers. Cheers. Good to be together. Still in uh, the final days of quarantine here in Denver, Colorado, but again, on a pastoral purpose, and pastoral it was. We heard a loud knock on the door at about 7.45 tonight. True. And it was a substantial knock. Yes. So much so that it startled the guys, and I said, okay, don't open the door, because we've had some homeless guys True. drunk in the, in the uh, parking lot here, and I said, okay, just we'll look out the window. And Kyle Tannehill, first to the window, says, yep, it's a homeless guy. I can see the uh, flannel, mullet. No, it's Father Nathan. We're okay. Come on. Okay, I guess we'll open the door. So he came in replete with Magnum Bars. Magnum Bars, the taste of the Easter octave. Which I was roundly mocked for being from Highlands Ranch, Colorado, the pride of Colorado, as we say. Okay. For having a... Go ahead. Yeah, let's just say. Okay, so I bought double chocolate, double raspberry, double caramel, and then I bought an assorted pack of uh, almond, classic, and white chocolate. Which one do you think somebody from Highlands Ranch would consume? White chocolate, baby. I know you're thinking double raspberry, but he went for the white chocolate. Yeah, it was a mistake. I should have gone for the classic. You went for the almond. I we told had, you to get guys, the almond. These guys were loving life. They had just finished dessert. Because yeah. on Tuesday nights, we do kind of a special uh, bigger dinner, so they had just finished and... Uh, we're having a robust conversation about biblical exegesis and scripture formation in seminary life, and then boom, 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 there he is at the door. Now, Father, just, just, Father Christmas himself with Magnum Bars. Yeah, so, I mean, the, I rang the doorbell. I rang the doorbell. I texted John first. No answer. Uh, waited for a little bit. Rang the doorbell. Waited for a little bit. Texted him again saying, no, I actually do want to come in. Please let me in. And then rang the doorbell again, and then went through the sequence of ringing both doorbells, because there's two doorbells. And then I just said, well, either they're up in the chapel praying evening prayer late, or the doorbell's broken, so I got to give a loud knock. If I did the little tap, no, tap, you, tap. No, it was good. You got our attention. That's right. And we got you in. I, got, sta- I stand at the door and knock. That's right. Right? Right out of Revelation. Yep. So he's in. Magnum bars, and we're rolling. What I forgot to tell the guys was we were podcasting tonight because tonight we are going to watch the final episode of Band of Brothers, which is amazing. Yes. It's just amazing. And uh, so Father Nathan said, We're going to podcast one and then we're going to watch the final episode. We're going to watch together. Band of Brothers. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, I usually watch Band of Brothers uh, every year. Uh, I may have to get um, Easterman to uh, Father Easterman to uh, sign on for that. But. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll do the last episode. It's nice having a little extra version. We have a rule in our house right now. We're trying to be faithful to what the you know the government has laid out, as well as you know just social propriety. So uh, we don't do social gatherings, but I am allowed to leave for pastoral reasons as well as exercise. So I went on a bike ride the other day, got to see a few people. This was my pastoral visit. So it was yes, nice. That's we, good. We thought about doing Zoom. We thought about doing a Zoom, yeah. but I mean, you know, it's just, I don't know. And we thought about that even before all of this when Olaf moved to Cali, but um, 
Have you ever seen that Seinfeld episode from season three where Kramer goes to California? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking Olo's doing. He's on the beach on the front, kind of rollerblading, kind of awkwardly like Kramer right now. Yeah. Just living the dream. But we decided it's just not our style. You got to be in person and, and be recording. So speaking of exercise, I would like to point out, this is not a shout out. This is just a little banter because Nick Vance today at 5.50 p.m., one of my students who's now in seminary in St. Paul, uh, the title of his Strava run was going to need to log more miles if I'm going to make it through all the C-Y-S-K-Y-Y-K banter. Catholic stuff, you should know banter. Did he spell it right? He did. I just mispronounced it. What? And I said, uh, okay. well, it looks like banter does serve a purpose. I think my microphone just went out. Really? Keep talking. Hello. Hello. All right. I'm going to turn you up. Keep talking louder. Well, I'm talking right now. That was weird. It just went out right in the middle. Oh, I think you're good. Okay. You're good. You're verbose. Are you right? sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? You are recording. I'm pretty sure that it's not coming through my mic and my headphones anymore. Headphones? Really? Yeah. Oh, well. Well, whatever. Hello now. Hello? No. That's all right. Nick Vance. Ten years strong, folks, and the equipment's still not working. You can't hear it? Just un- weird. unplug the headphone and just replug it in. Yep. Just keep uh Oh I just it went in and out for a second. Yep. This is called that's my headphone. Okay. Now it's back. Hello. Is yours working? Hello. Nope. Do you want a headphone? Nope. I'm good. All right. Well that's good. Well I'm happy you're here, brother. This is great. Happy Easter. Divine mercy. We're rolling into week two. We are days out from the seminarians leaving. Yeah. I will be at Schloss Goebbels for May. Yeah, you said that the you were in the final countdown of the quarantine, but we're not. We're not, because I'm moving to another island of introverts. These well, introverts are loving life right now. They true. are loving, loving it. I had a great moment uh, in my household when I said, uh, at, we were cleaning up after dinner, and I said, you know, introverts... Introverts can actually, you know, they're really enjoying this, but it can be a danger for them as well. It's like on retreat, extroverts do right. better with silence. True. And uh, one of the guys in the house was like, I don't think that's true. And Hellstrom backed me up, and he was like, actually, that's definitely true. Yeah. So. Yeah, because for them, I think it's, they go into silence or they go into solitude, and it's just kind of MO, just keep rolling out. Nothing is different, you know? And uh, for the rest of us, it's like, oh, I don't know how to think anymore. Right. Right? What do we do when we can't talk? Just. Well, I mean, you know, you, you do, you kind of spend time in your room, you do your own thing or whatever, but like at some point, it's like you can't, you can't do that all the time. Well, I love, you know, and not, maybe not all extroverts. Some extroverts are loving the quarantine. For example, my two-year-old nephew, Caleb, a.k.a. Boss Baby. Boss Baby. Who is the boss. And he... So Jordan said he walked into the kitchen and Boss Baby had the uh, who, Boss Baby turned two on Saturday or on Sunday, excuse me. Jackson turned six on the oldest turned six on Saturday. All of their birthdays are in one week. It's kind of crazy, except for Micah, the second, you know. But Boss Baby turned two. Jackson or uh, my brother-in-law Jordan walks into the uh, kitchen and there he is. He's got the fridge open and he's just saying cheese. Cheese. He's just chanting cheese, and he's going to keep chanting it until he gets his cheese. And you know what he got? He got it. He got his cheese. That's right. Nailed it. Because he's the boss, baby. 
Talk to Brian Mathay sometime about Boss Baby. He was sleeping in the room next to him in Crested Butte a couple months ago, and he wasn't sleeping much because Boss Baby was owning him. Yep, he does what he wants. He's the third. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah, we'll see. Yep, we will see. Three back to back to back boys. It's a wild ride. So that's right. And my sister just had back to back to back girls. So Lillian Hope was born uh, on Holy Saturday morning. Uh, so um, shout out to her. She is what ten days old. Lillian Hope. Lillian Hope. And uh, that's. The seventh child, the seventh girl. That's the eighth. Eighth. Yeah. Wow. So four girls for my brother, three girls for my sister, one girl for William. As you said, I have to learn how to French braid. Yeah. If anybody wants to send me a tutorial on how to do angel braiding or French braiding, uh, I am going to become that uncle now. I think Phil Bartline's your guy. Really? This is our friend who has three daughters. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, I walked over there on Easter Sunday. And uh, they were all painting their nails and having a little tea time. And I was yep. like, yep, that's that's your future. That's what Mark was doing. Mark uh, Mark had, uh, I think they... Mark, paint- your brother-in-law? Mark, my brother-in-law, they painted his nails. Or he painted their nails. I don't know. He's a former Marine. It's right. like if he can lower himself to that, it's fine. If he can do it, he can do it. But yeah. That's right. No, it's going to be good. We're excited for you. Another, another niece. Yep. So do you see... One last comment here. Good. Because I know we don't have a lot of time to uh, kind of kick it no and banter. banter. Jive, not jive, jibe. I'll get into that in the shout outs, but we were corrected. We're not jive. I guess we were jiving last time we talked about That's a dance move. So jibe with a B is jibe. what we're doing. We're jibing right now. We're jibing. We're jibing right now. Doing a, lot of, doing a lot of jibing. I want to jibing with you. Right. So. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I forgot what I was going to say. So uh, today we are talking about a rather <clears throat> difficult but morose. I'm I'm up. Okay, keep going. I'm up. There's this this equipment. Okay, now it's up. Now I can hear it. Good, good. I think it was down too low. You have two options. I can turn your volume up, or you can talk into the microphone. Okay, the, That's, I was, Those are your two options. Look at me. Look how freaking close I was to the microphone. Okay. Cheapers. Sorry, people. Um. So we're talking today about uh, preparing for death. You mean like with the guys we were talking about that? No, just uh, how do you prepare well uh, for death? Because I, I will say, as we go into this topic, Father Nathan just gave an impromptu 20-minute talk to my guys, and I was like, you just learned more about dealing with sickness and death as a priest than I did in all of seminary. That was, it was impressive. Yeah, thank you. It was very inventive. It was very inventive. Yeah. The um, yeah, I mean, we were talking about how uh, our my first anointing, my pastor sent me out with just my book, my stole, and my oils, and he's like, "Yeah, it's in the book. You can figure it out." But there's a lot more than just, I mean, reading out of the page or something like that. But what I want to talk about today is uh, we had we had one person who was preparing for death and entered into life, Joe Gregory. So uh, Joe Gregory is a longtime listener. Uh, he passed uh, just uh, Sunday, right? Yeah. Divine Mercy recently. Sunday? Yeah. Um, uh, or late late on Divine Mercy Sunday, I think. Um, he was battling ALS. Longtime listener. He'd been writing into us for a long time. Yeah. And, um, and so it was nice because Mary Machado reached out to us and just let us know 
that he was in his final stages and I was finishing the Divine Mercy Novena and offered uh, my last chaplet for him. Um, and then uh, on Sunday, uh, I got to anoint uh, Scott Collier again. Oh, you did? Okay. So some of you might remember Scott Catfish, uh, who uh, did a podcast with us about a year ago um, and had been mostly healed of his uh, cancer, and then it came back, and um, now he's in the final stages. But I was struck uh, by a single line in the, um, in the right, uh, which is the final prayer that you say uh, after you give someone uh, viaticum or you know communion. Uh, it wasn't necessarily his final communion, so. Uh, but if you give communion within the context of the rite, you can pray this prayer. And I think it's important because uh, a lot of people right now are extremely worried about dying. Right. I mean, what 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 I was doing at the initial stages of the of the quarantine was just looking at the sick map. Have you seen this thing? If you go to Drudge Report on the bottom left, there's a thing called Sick Map. And you can look in the world uh, as to uh, how many cases are in Italy, how many cases are in, you know, Iran, how many people have contracted the disease, how many people have died from the disease, how many people have recovered from the disease. And at some point I had to stop looking at it because they're just numbers. You're just looking at numbers of people who have died and you know nothing about these people. And in some ways it's kind of like, oh man, thank God our number's less than their number. But the numbers don't mean much. And then I figured out that they were deliberately uh, removing the numbers from the United States. They were doing, they were breaking it into regions so that it, was, it wasn't causing as much of a panic um, because at some point our numbers grew to over Italy. Right. But if you, looked at the, if you looked at the U.S. numbers, they were tracking that way all along, which, by the way, we have three times the number of people in the United States as, as in Italy, almost four times. So it, it makes sense that, that we have more cases, but neither here nor there. Um, what is Italy like? Seventy million or something? Eighty like million. That? Eighty million. Yeah. Okay. I think America's three hundred million, right? Um, so there's a lot of people that are worried about death right now, and um, I was struck because nobody wants to die, but we're all going to die. We're all going to die at some point, and some people are going to die slowly. Some people are going to die quickly. Some people are going to die prepared for it. Some people are going to die unprepared for it. The great equalizer is that we're all going to die. Have you been listening to Sufjan Stevens? We're all going to die. We were listening to Sufjan. Carrie and Lloyd? Carrie and Lowell. Carrie and Lowell. Yeah. Which is a beautiful album, but you have to be careful with that one. Yeah, that one, too much ingestion. It's like beaver nuggets, you know. It's just going (laughs) to make your stomach turn sour. So... um, so I think a lot of people are facing death. You mentioned this in the last podcast, you know, memento mori. Right. You know, and I think it's important to remember, like, at the beginning of Lent, every single person is marked with ashes. And more often than not, we say the line, remember, man, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. They do it differently now in the new translation or something. But remember, man, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Or repent. It's still and one of the options, I think. Yeah. yeah. The okay. other one's repent and believe in the gospel. But I think there is something important about just knowing, you like, dust. you are dust, and to dust, eventually you'll return. And we do this, and people show up in droves right. to receive this. And I think in some way, 
we're facing death as a community, as a world, as families for the first time. As I was listening uh, to the sports radio the other day, the guy was saying, how do I talk to my kids about the coronavirus? Like, what is the hope that I give them in the midst of all this? Well, we're going to be safe. We're going to do what we can. Ultimately, like, he couldn't admit to his kids, there's a chance that we might die. But I think for, I think for Christians, we actually acknowledge there's a great possibility that we're going to die, and we don't fear it in the same way that other people do. Obviously, for parents, for families, for loved ones, like it's not like we're flipping about it, but we face it in a different way. But the question becomes, if you think you are going to die, what should you do? Now, I was listening to country radio. Done a, I've done a little, you know, uh, switching around. Sports radio, country radio. Sports radio, is not, there's not really much going on. Well, there's no sports going on. There's no sports. As you know, the Blues are the reigning Stanley Cup champions. That's going to change in the fall when the hockey season wish. finishes. I don't know what they're going to do. But well, um, yeah. But there, there's no sports radio. So I was listening to country radio, and the old Tim McGraw song came on, you know, Live Like You Were Dying. You know that song? I don't. Well, what he's talking about is he received... I'm not a fan of... Uh, Tim McGraw's okay, but okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's kind of like bubblegum. Right. Bubblegum country. <laughs> Right. Um, so he, he has this song where he's like, I received this diagnosis, and what am I going to do? You know, I, I look at the doctor and I say, you know, what, what should I do? And he's like, you know, what'd you do whenever you face that? He's like, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull man, named Fu Manchu. And he, and he goes through all these things that he would love to do now as opposed to waiting till later. And that's nice, you know. But right now in quarantine, you can't do those things. Right. You can't do those things. And I actually think families, couples, and individual persons are facing death with a, a real uh, possibility, like seeing it as a real possibility, but with a real sobriety as well. And they're not, I don't think that they're like, yeah, that'll never happen. You know, let's just keep living and partying and whatever. It's like, no, that's, that's a definitive possibility. I went to the grocery store today and, you know, Everybody looks at each other like they're a threat. Right. You know, you walk into an aisle and they're like, oh my gosh, who is this guy with this mask on? So, so then the question becomes, if, if you are preparing for death, what are the things that you should do? And how do you not do it in a morbid way? How do you do it in a, an honest Yeah, not just way? Like, like, I want to go skydiving at some point. Right. You got you to gotta have the end in mind. So I have some thoughts. You probably have some thoughts. That's what we're talking about today. That's what we're talking about. I like it. Have an extra swig of bourbon. That's one way to, you know. That's one way to deal with it. It does help. But this is, a, this is a great question. I was on a long ride with John McCoy on Sunday afternoon, old friend of mine, and uh, we were talking Boots about this. McCoy. Boots McCoy. Boots McCoy. Well, if they have five sons, four sons? What? There's no get, way she has five kids. He gets to name. Well, they have, they have three. Yeah, they don't have five already. They had three and three. I'm just saying, if he has four sons, I forget there's a specific delineation, whether the fourth is a son or whether they have four sons or something like that, he gets the name in Boot, Boot McCoy. Boot McCoy. (laughs) (laughs) So we're really hoping that happens. So Melissa, if you're listening to this, you know, God bless you. But Jane is sweetie. She's the, she's number three. Uh, But John, John was 
reflecting on talking to his friends and just kind of like, what is a what is a, an authentically Christian approach to the coronavirus? And that was that was the kind of the point of the conversation. Now we were climbing into the mountains, so it was kind of like, and then, <laughs> and he's thirty, and I'm thirty six. Stroop waffle, right? Um, um, yeah, and all um. stroop waffle. That, um, but I think one of the points he made that I really appreciated was he's like, the Christian should be more, you know, at least acquainted with death, yeah, because we're living with the sense that Christ conquered death. Death is not something that we just bracket and that we just don't think about. And as long as we're comfortable and wealthy and everything is fine, we don't worry about that. But it's something that we really we think on, and it, but it doesn't lead to this kind of morbid fatalism. It leads to actually a deeper gratitude and deeper hope mm-hmm. in the sense that we, we have a sense and we live with the sense that the gratuitousness, that everything is a gift, right? That I went on a bike ride on Sunday, and that that might not ever happen again. If something if something were to happen, if I was to die tonight, that and how do you live with that? How do you relate to God, the origin of all being, um, and the one who ordains all these things in providence? That's the that's the challenge. And in the church, you see, uh, you see all the reactions, right? Because it's it's humanity. Um, but one thing you see is just the obsession with health, and we talked about that in the last time we podcasted together, just this kind of, the idol is health, and if as long as we have that, then we're fine. Um, and so we have to do everything we can. I drove past a Methodist church by DU today, and it was just signs, it was an obnoxious number of signs around the church talking about, if you love your neighbor, you wash your hands with sanitizer, and it's just like, that cannot be it. Like, that's important. Sanitize. Like, that's important clean, you know, wear a mask, that's fine. But that can't, that cannot be the Christian response of like, we're the best at wearing masks in the grocery store. True. And that's kind of a sentiment. And then the other side is just the, the kind of hyper-spiritualizing of like, none of this matters. And uh, why are these lazy priests not giving us the sacraments? Sure. We shouldn't be afraid of it at all. And it's like, well, that's a bit presumptuous. So it's, it's hard to know like, where is the middle ground here? So I would, I mean, the, the line that struck out to me in whenever I was, uh, what was that? <laughs> I just moved the microphone. Oh. Sorry, you little little two tone. Huh? The uh, yeah, it sounded like that. <laughs> the um, uh, in the last prayer, in the last prayer, it says, "Father, your Son Jesus Christ is our way, our truth, and our life. Look with compassion on your servant who has trusted in your promises. You have refreshed him with the body and blood of your Son. May he enter your kingdom in peace." He has trusted in your promises. So the conversation that I had with someone was, they're like, what would you recommend for this you know, final stage? And I was like, well, you should probably get acquainted with the promises of God. It says that you've trusted in the promises of God. What are the promises of God? So uh, instead of reflecting excessively on your, on your sins and, and all the things that you've done wrong and all the things that you haven't done and all the things you wanted to do but never got to, um, and the, all the things that you miss, like I never went to Sweden or I never actually like explored all of Ikea or something like that. <laughs> it's like, uh, do you know, can you list off what are the promises of God right now? And... I don't think that I could. And I thought it was interesting because uh, as I reflected on it, do you know what John Paul II had read to him as he was dying? Song of Songs. Hmm. Arise, my beloved, my fair one, my dove. 
and come. The winter is over. The rains have gone. Um, you know, and now is the time, you know, for you to arise. It's like that sounds a heck of a lot better than Leviticus take the take the rock badger but not the cloven hoofed badger right. or something like that. I mean, there has to be a way in which we we look at it with a desire and an appetite for an infinite. And God has actually said this is possible. And the more we reflect on, well, what is that going to look like? I think the better off we are. And um, so as I was thinking about it, you know, we usually don't hear the promises of God until the funeral. I mean, I've celebrated a lot more funerals in the last few years than weddings. Uh, So some people might be far more acquainted with those readings, but I'm acquainted with, you know, John 14. Uh, In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. Would, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And I will come back and I will take you to myself. What does that even mean? What does it mean to like actually experience a desire of God for you to be welcomed into heaven? It's not just you want to go to heaven. It's that God wants you to go to heaven. Yeah. And you're getting on that boat. You're sailing to the gray havens. And that's only because of God, not because of anything you've done. So as I thought about it, you know, for for these people like who who you are worried about or like hoping that that they're okay or whatever, like instead of like asking them, you know, is there anything we can do for you? Uh, is there anything, you know, can we make a meal for your family? It's like, would you mind if I just sat next to his bed, bedside and read him, you know, what are some of the promises of God? And you can find them in the um, in the section for the anointing of the sick. You can find uh, passages um, in preparation for death, and all of them are just kind of um, just speaking about uh, renewing your confidence in God's power. You know, Job, I know that my Redeemer lives. One day I shall look upon him face to face. We've talked a lot about how uh, this coronavirus feels like kind of Good Friday, Holy Saturday, like it came early and tying it into Lent a bit some ways it ties better into Advent in the sense that Advent is the time of year in December. It's that last month where the light is, is fleeing, you know, and we're moving into the, into the depths of darkness before Christmas, which corresponds with the winter solstice, and light begins again to, uh, in the world. And it's just good to remember that death is one of the four last things. It's, it's one of the eschatological moments. And so... And that Christianity has to be lived as essentially eschatological. And I know that's kind of, these are some big words. Eschatology just means, eschaton means the last things, the end times. And so there's an essential tension that we have to live in with the final things, the end times, the second coming. That history has a, we're going somewhere. There's a purpose. There's, a, there's an end. Right. And it's going to end at some point. Yes. And we're really involved in that end. And, and I'm thinking about this a lot because I spent the last two and a half weeks teaching eschatology to my guys in third theology and reflecting on all kinds of questions, some of which are simple, some are complicated. But I see this, this moment in the church as a, a reminder of the eschatological character of the Christian faith, which means we're on pilgrimage, we're going somewhere, but we haven't arrived yet, Right. When I walked the Camino to Santiago, it was one of the most painful experiences of my life. 
and I was with a lot of really great people, but my feet were on fire. There was like 15 blisters on the bottom of my toes. But we were going to Santiago. We were right. going somewhere. Right. And that was also one of the richest moments of gratitude, of communion. And I think suffering, I was suffering for, I was offering my suffering for a specific intention. And it was one of the most fruitful moments of my life because I had no distractions and I had a deep awareness of like, I'm going somewhere. The purpose of my life is not to live my sweet life now, right? right. Living my best life now or whatever the freaking, you know, catchphrase is. Um, that's not the point of it. The point of life is not to live life and uh, we're going somewhere and that's eschatology. Mm-hmm. And I, ju- I just think that there's something about pulling back the veil a bit and saying, Christians, remember your death, remember where you're going. Uh, but not as a sense of despair, but because Christ has gone before you and that he has entered into the mystery of death and suffered that and brought us through that. And uh, the Christian life, the three syllables, as we talked about from Garonsky's holy card, right? Life, death, resurrection. Right. These are the three moments, and we live every day in light of that. We look at the crucifix for a reason. It's right there. Right? We actually have a relic of the cross here, thanks to Kevin, Deacon Kevin Pankowski. Like, everything is in reference to Christ's passage through death into life. And for us, we, we believe that we live in that, but not in a way that makes us super comfortable and makes everything really just we're all healthy and all of our friends are healthy. And in Myanmar right now, there's a Baptist minister Peter Wynn, one of my guys from Myanmar, was telling me this. There's this Baptist minister who went on this whole thing about how the sign that you're chosen and elect of God is that you're not getting the coronavirus. Hmm. And Christians are like 3% of their country. Catholics are like a percent and a half. Sure. So the cardinal of Myanmar in uh, Yangon and the other Christian leaders are trying to kind of balance this and say, no, 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 this is not how it works. But there's a there's a real temptation to kind of read into this this health and wealth thing is in us and it's in Myanmar it's everywhere. Right. Christianity is not about making a making our life better in this life, but it's about the promise of a life to come that we actually can experience in this life. Mm-hmm. But it's a mystery. Yeah, and I would say that uh, there's a way in which there's a way in which we have to have the end in mind, especially as we near the end. And the end isn't death. The end is union with God. And so I was reading, uh, I finally picked back up uh, Strangers to the City um, by Michael Casey. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a good book. Uh, In the meantime, uh, in the quarantine, uh, Strangers to the City by Michael Casey. He's a a Benedictine monk from... Australia? Australia, yeah. Uh, But he was saying, you know, uh, what's the goal of monastic life, the kingdom of God, what's the goal of the Christian life, the kingdom of God? So if you know what the end is, now all of a sudden you start to establish your means in order to obtain that end. John's having trouble with the puzzle right now. A Uh, lot of trouble. A lot of trouble because, you know, puzzles are for elderly women. Um, Watch uh, it. Not a big fan of puzzles. We uh, understand that now. Part of the Thank reason you. why me and my ex-girlfriend broke up, she was like, wouldn't you like to just get a big puzzle together? And I was like, we should see other people. <laughs> I thought it was Door County, but okay, maybe that puzzles. Was, that was possibly it. <laughs> Anyways, um, the, um, so if you didn't have that box that told you how it's supposed to you know, 
come together. You're just putting random puzzle pieces together and hoping that they fit. But you have to have an end in mind so you can establish the means. How do you get to the kingdom of God? Well, blessed are the pure of heart, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So pure of heart, we, we think of that as sanitation. I've got to clean myself up. I've got to make everything perfect by the time I end this life. And it's just not going to happen. Who's going to make you pure? God. So your goal is God. The means is God. And so what do you have to do in this, in this time? Yeah. To have deeper recourse to God. And that's why, part of the reason why this was one of the best novenas I've ever had for the Divine Mercy novena because I had nothing to do. Nothing. There's no anointings. There's no public masses. There's no puzzles. There's no puzzles. Um, Eusterman lives a very balanced life, so we can only watch one episode of stuff per day. So I had this free time, and I was like, I'm actually going to pray this Divine Mercy novena with a little more intentionality. Isn't it amazing, Eusterman, though, just to pause on that? He, he'll walk away. He will. Every, every week I'd be like... One more up ep- every Tuesday night. I'd be like, "Come on, one more episode of Man in the High Castle." I'd be like, "You can watch it by yourself. It's you can fine. watch I'm it by yourself. To I'm going to says. bed." And you're like, "How do you have the willpower?" Yeah, he's like unbroken. But have I tell you, you seen that movie. <laughs> I tell you, the other day we watched one episode, and then I turned on The Office and we watched uh, four. Yeah. Okay, you found it. his kryptonite exactly. So, um, anyways, what were we talking about? Episodes, one episode. Oh, you gotta have the puzzle. You gotta have the puzzle. So the Divine Mercy Novena, I'm praying that, and I'm like, this whole thing is not about self purification. It's all about just saying we want the mercy of Jesus to cover everything, the ocean of mercy to open up and envelop the whole world. It's not about me purifying myself so that I make myself capable of receiving divine mercy. It's just saying all of us need it. And the Divine Mercy Novena covers everybody, everybody, all souls, priests and religious, people who have fallen away from the faith, lukewarm people. It's amazing. And then in the end, it's just like, Lord, we just ask that you would receive all these persons into your Divine Mercy. And I was so grateful that the last person that I prayed for was Joe Gregory, Hmm. who I've never met, and he was dying from a horrible disease, which is a sign of our fallenness. Yeah. And I think everybody who's seen anyone die from ALS, we had a couple parishioners from Cabrini who had that. I mean, the heroic way in which they live their life and in which other people live their lives around them, like assisting them, you know, encouraging them, able to interpret for them, um, it's beautiful. But the goal isn't make a good death. The goal is we want you to enjoy the kingdom of heaven forever and that's i mean that's what i would want for any person when i first uh moved to europe i went to krakow and wanted to do some climbing in the tatras mountains to the south of there where john paul used to go in the summers and that was kind of my my goal and so i was there with tim and marilyn pinnock and grace cleary grace jacobs at the time and we went to the divine mercy shrine mm-hmm. have you been there yeah I'll never forget it. We walked in. It happened to be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And we walked into the big church, and there was thousands of Polish people on their knees praying divine mercy. And I had a very powerful 
moment in prayer there because knowing what these people had lived through yeah. with German occupation, Soviet Russia, everything that they had been through, that they were still praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet so faithfully and so and so um, profoundly, you realize that when Christians talk about living for heaven, it does play into this life, but it's not in a way that we can control, and it's certainly not to give us better abs, right? Yeah, it's not. It's not an option on Peloton. Here's 20 minutes of divine grace, you know, with Ali Love or whoever, you know. That's my mom's favorite. I don't know these. That's people. my mom's favorite. You wouldn't, yeah. Ali Love. So, uh, divine mercy is something. Mercy is what? Mercy is giving to those that, something that they don't deserve. So there's a, there's a paradox. There's a, there's a mystery that plays into the Christian life, but it's evidenced and lived out in the lives of the saints. And as long as we stay close to them, we understand this, that, that heaven really is something that plays out and uh, that comes through. Time check. This is going to shut down in five minutes. <laughs> All right, folks. We better wrap it up. That's right. Can I quote uh, Cardinal Sarah? Did I talk about this already? No. Oh, man, this is long, but I'll, he just says this you virus. You have time for this. Can I just say one part of it? Yep. He just says, uh, this virus is a parable, and, and we need to live differently. We, we boasted of being, uh, of our biotechnologies, of transgenderism, of artificial procreation, all of these things. And he's like, it suddenly became our everyday life that we no longer are in control. We've dispelled the smoke of illusion of control. Uh, we're now naked, powerless, and vulnerable. We're being confined to our homes, but will hopefully allow us to turn our attention back to the essentials to rediscover the importance of our relationship with God and thus the centrality of prayer in human existence. I think that this line from Cardinal Sarah is is just one of the best. That was an interview he gave recently, and I would just put that out there of that he he's getting it, he's understanding it, and uh, we're looking for people in the church like that who are speaking of that, that death really does matter. Four minutes, sorry. Four minutes. Folks, uh, we're going to get shut down. Death is on our doorstep. Uh, we love all of you. We're praying for all of you. Please pray for Joe Gregory um, and for all of our listeners. We've had other listeners probably who have died already, uh, but he's the only one we know of right now. Um, uh, we continue to pray for all the sick and the suffering, and uh, we will conclude with the final prayer from Divine Mercy, if you don't mind. If I can find it in two minutes, that's a picture of my cast iron skillet. In the meantime, Nathan Aron, shout out. Thank you for checking us on the concept of jibe versus jive. And for a very thoughtful, um, great email and theology. So thank you again for that. Appreciate it. All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You expired, Jesus, but the source of life gushed forth for souls, and the ocean of mercy opened up for the whole world, a fount of life, unfathomable divine mercy. Envelop the whole world and empty yourself out upon us. So blood and water which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus is a fount of mercy for us. I trust in you. O blood and water which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus is a fount of mercy for us. I trust, I trust in, in you. you. O blood and water which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus is a fount of mercy for us. I trust in you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you later. McGruber! Thanks, everybody. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. See you.